class of rock. It's 533. Yeah, I know. And uh, Ario Speedwagon with Max and Nagel and Rock 102. A little early. 533, don't you think? That's 533 and 42 seconds. I mean, it's nearly 534, and that's close enough for me. Good thing I was here right on time. Yes, it is. Uh, Comedian Steve Byrne will be joining us today. He uh, has a brand new special on Amazon Prime called The Last Late Show. Looks wicked funny. You saw it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's actually pretty good. He's also be at the uh, the Fairfield Theater on uh, January 12th. That's as close as he's going to come to uh, to Springfield. Sweet. But uh, very funny guy. We'll be talking to him after 7 o'clock this morning. And all kinds of other stuff. Yes. Lots of stuff in between. It's 5.30. Now it's 5.34. Oh, okay. With Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. New England Patriots football. Every game. Every play. Only on Rock 102. Monday, December 12th, it's the Pats at Arizona. Pre-game at 5.30, kickoff at 8.15. Patriots football on Rock 102 is brought to you in part by Country Bank, Eppendorf, Park Cleaners, Rocky's Ace Hardware, Metro Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. The, the Pats are on Rock 102. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 5.49 and Pearl Jam with Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. Uh, rainy for a good part of the day, then partly cloudy, or uh, I'm sorry, mostly cloudy, and then tomorrow, partly cloudy with a high of 49. It's 55 right now in downtown Springfield. Hollywood Trash is brought to you by Aqua Pump, an expert on all water supply systems from the well to the pump and into the house. Uh, hey. There you go. Somehow you still care about what's happening in Hollywood. So, from Tinseltown, 3,000 miles away, it's Steve Nagel's Hollywood Trash. Well, there is no evidence Anne Heche was impaired by illicit substances when she crashed her car into an L.A. residence on August 5th, despite uh, reports suggesting otherwise. Yahoo uh, Entertainment obtained Heche's final autopsy report that includes toxicology results, and if I'm going to believe anybody, it's Yahoo Entertainment. They're as credible as anybody else. The actress's blood tested at the hospital showed the presence of benzo an inactive metabolite of cocaine. Uh, that indicates past use, the L.A. Uh, medical examiner confirmed. Results also showed prior use of marijuana, but not at the time of the injury. There was also no alcohol detected in Haitian's system either. Speculation the actress was inebriated at the time of the accident was fueled by an image that appeared to show a liquor bottle in the front seat of her vehicle. Spokesman for the L.A. Uh, Police Department previously told uh, uh, Yahoo that Haish uh, was under investigation for felony DUI traffic collision before she was taken off life support, uh, but blood uh, draw results showed the presence of narcotics. However, additional testing is required to rule it all out. How'd they get that so wrong, then? I, I have no idea. I don't get that. How did you have all of this information saying we found blues and, you know, she was this and that? And then say, hey, you know what? The actual test came back and she wasn't, so. Yeah, somebody else's uh, paperwork got mixed up with her files and, well, you know how that goes. Uh, The medical examiner uh, determined Haish died of inhalation of thermal injuries. She was trapped in her Mini Cooper for around 30 minutes before she was rescued by first responders. The official report lists a sternal fracture due to blunt trauma as a significant condition in her death. Jesus. Damn. That it's, was still a- like, it's still like to know how how they screw up the toxicology information. Yeah, yeah, see, that, that's to me, it's like, all right, the blunt force trauma, well, she hit a house. She well, probably blew the horn, but you know, how the hell did they get that so wrong? I mean, just like any other story, 
you know, there's an official reason and there's official things that don't get released. And then you have all this speculation from people like Yahoo Entertainment. Well, I've never felt like I was misled by Yahoo. Are you sure? What about Yoohoo? You ever, I always felt misled by Yoohoo as it was actual chocolate milk and it's not. Yeah, when it was supposed to be delicious and you say, mm, that yeah. could have been so much more yeah. satisfying. What what exactly is Yoohoo? Is that, uh, cho- it's not milk, is it? It's not milk. It's a it's drink. Not, it's, a, it's a drink, but it's always largely unsatisfying. How did anybody even make that popular? It's, 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 it's actually disgusting to me. <laughs> I don't know. It's deceiving. Uh, I can sum up last night's People's Choice Awards in three words. Ready? Go ahead. Lizzo, Selma, and Shania. Yeah. Lizzo received the People's Champion Award, and she said, quote, To be an icon isn't about how long you've had your platform. Being an icon is what you do with that platform. No, a little bit of time in the uh, little time in the pocket helps too. Then she put her money where her mouth is by bringing seventeen female activists on stage, introducing each one by name and explaining the work that they do. How I long have did the, that take? I have the audio. We can listen to it and now hear this. It would probably take up two days worth of that segment. Jesus. Selma Blair won a competition contestant of the year for doing Dancing with the Stars while battling MS. And somebody obviously knew she was getting it because it was presented to her by her longtime friend, Sarah Michelle Geller. Ain't nothing wrong with her. Ain't that the truth. Selma even said, quote, the last time I won an award was when I kissed you, Sarah. Remember that? When they kissed each other? Uh, yeah. yeah, I do. She was talking about the 2000 MTV Movie Awards when she and Sarah won Best Kissed for Cruel Intentions. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Shania Twain picked up the Music Icon Award and proved exactly why she deserved it with a fantastic medley of her hits, some of which she sang in a bodysuit, which she was rocking. She's 57 years old, by the way. You know, uh, she's only a year older than I am. Yeah. I could rock a bodysuit, too. Man, you feel like a woman sometimes, don't you? Sometimes I do. Afterwards, she told the crowd, quote, When a door slams in your face, take a freaking run. Just run and leap at that door and kick it down. You will not regret it. Oh, and Olivia Wilde showed off her nipples in a see-through gown. Hello, I got to look at pictures. All right. When Don't Worry Darling won drama of the year, drama movie of the year, Olivia came up on stage and the producers actually blurred the whole screen at first. Then they just pulled the camera back and avoided the close-ups. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ryan Reynolds received the People's Icon Award. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness was named Movie of the Year, and Stranger Things won Show of the Year. We can uh, we can go through all five hours of the People's Choice Awards if you'd like. Um, except we've got other things going on, even at this late part of the day. Time Magazine's Entertainer of the Year is Blackpink. No idea. No, I you got me. Uh, their athlete of the year is Aaron Judge, and icon of the year is Michelle Yu. Yo, yo, yo. I can understand Aaron Judge. Yeah, him I, him I know. I don't know who Blackpink is. I have no idea. Uh, Joe Rogan wants The Rock to admit he's on steroids. "Quote: There's not an effing chance in hell he's not he's clean. Not a chance in hell as The Rock is as big as he is at 50." Well, I don't know. I mean, it's if you were working out like The Rock does every single day, you'd probably uh, maintain uh, your, your figure. 
you know, uh, you know, he, he's probably on a diet. You know, like Tom Brady. Tom Brady's like in. Yeah, but Excellent. Tom Brady's not cut. <laughs> Tom Brady's kind of flabby. He's soft. I don't think he's flabby. He's, I think he's muscular, and he's muscular for his frame. Don't but you? he's a little doughy. A little doughy? You ever see him with a shirt off? No. I dream about it all the time. Do you really? No, I'm just saying. And uh, Kim Kardashian hosted a birthday party for her kid. It was a huge blowout. Really? Mm-hmm. She must have something to say. Oh, my God. The last time I had a blowout like this was when Ray J gave me a horchata blast to the Chukaki <laughs> in that sex tape you can purchase on Uporn for $39.95. That must have been difficult to clean up. <sighs> it's hot. Uh, Caitlin? Well, I never got that done and dirty with your mother, Chris Kim, but I once gave her a shotgun and facial. A little face decorating cream cheese wheel party. <laughs> What are you trying to say? Uh, I'm trying to say is we did, uh, I popped wheelies on her chin. (laughs) (laughs) Like like evil Knievel style. And uh, Kanye? I used to be able to pop wheelies with one of my 76 Raptors, but now I had to sell them all because I got to pay some girl $200,000 a month. (laughs) It's... That's the law, dude. 18 years. 18 years. She got you paying for that kid for 18 years. That's actually one of his songs. <laughs> Such an injustice. And that's your Hollywood T-Rash and Rock 102. Oh, yeah. Two spring. And now, Bax's View from the Couch. Brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Outdoor Power Headquarters. Steel, Ego, and Craftsman. Rocky's Outdoor Power Trifecta. Hey, good morning sports fans. How the heck are you? As many of you are aware, the end of every season, the NBA hands out a bunch of awards. Got the Larry O'Brien Trophy that goes to the NBA champion. You got the Bob Cousy Trophy, which goes to the winner of the Eastern Conference. In the West, you could win the Oscar Robertson Trophy. You've got trophies for every possible thing that could possibly happen in the NBA. Most valuable player, coach of the year, trophies for each divisional winner. My point is this, the NBA hands out a lot of damn trophies. And while everyone likes winning a trophy, not everyone is gonna get one. And not every trophy is worth winning. For example, yesterday the NBA announced that they have added another trophy to the already crowded field of too many trophies. Introducing the Maurice Podoloff Trophy. The trophy, which has been named after the league's very first commissioner, will be awarded each year to the team with the best overall record during the regular season. Now, if the season were to end right now, that award would go to the Boston Celtics, who lead the NBA with a record of 20 wins and only five losses. Sounds exciting, huh? I suppose, but riddle me this. Let's say you win the Maurice Podoloff Trophy, but your team gets bounced out of the first round of the playoffs. You've already won the Nat Sweetwater Clifton Award or the Wayne Embry Award or the Earl Lloyd, Willis Reed, Stan Jones, or Chuck Cooper Award for winning your division. If you can't win in the postseason, then who gives a rat's ass what your regular season record was? Seems to me if you can't win the NBA championship, then the Maurice Podoloff Trophy is nothing more than a reminder of what a disappointment you turned out to be. And if that's the case, why would you want to win this thing? Lose a seven-game series and all Maurice Podoloff is doing is taking up space on your mantle with all your other participation trophies that you got when you were 12. Of course, if you win the NBA championship, let's face it, the Larry O'Brien goes on the mantle while the Podoloff stays in the box. At least that's how it would be in my curio cabinet, of which I have none. 
But hey, and of my yapping sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Traeger, the wood pellet fire grill that roasts and smokes and even bakes cookies. Seven Traegers on sale now at Rocky's. Seven. The little Traeger, the big Traeger, everything in between. Rocky's delivers and sets it up under the tree if you want. Oh, and it's fun to grill on, too, with the Traeger from Rocky's Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. Rockfield's Classic Rock at 609 and Led Zeppelin with Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. It's going to be uh, pretty rainy today with a high of 56. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high of 48. It's 56 right now in downtown Springfield. You know what I did the other day? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I ordered a bunch of uh, iPhone charging cables. Yeah, I have to do that every once in a while, too. At the Mayflower Marathon, my uh, my charger got uh, bent. I don't know how. I don't know who was uh, dinking around with it, but it was bent, which I'm bl- means... I'm blaming the girl in promotions. You know what? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a little shifty. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, I think there's a, there's a structure, uh, like a social structure about using somebody else's cord, like, you know, perhaps they should... There should be like written permission before you just go ahead and attach to my cable, but um, I had to go buy a new, uh, uh, like a whole new set of them. And you know, you could always go to, you know, I got an iPhone, so if I, I could always go to like the Apple Store and get new ones, or I could always go online to Amazon and right. buy, you know, a knockoff. I usually go for the knockoffs because they're cheaper I and do. they're and they're longer. I do too. Yeah, because it's uh, not only cheaper and longer, but. Um you get multiple ones. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can get the same, you can get like five of them for the same price of one apple cord. I got a I got a three pack of uh, of cables. They're 10 feet long. Nothing I hate more than the 3 foot cord. Ooh, that steams me. I could do with the 6 foot. 6 feet is okay. 10 yeah. feet's glorious. I mean, that way you could you could stretch out, you could you know play on your phone. And uh, yeah, while it's charging and everything is right as rain. Right, but does it charge? Uh, the the problem I usually have is the power of the box. That's yeah, that's she, another scam. That's what she said. You know, but like some of them are, uh, you know, two point one volts, and some of them are only one point five volts. So I I don't understand how right how they are made. I got a whole drawer mm-hmm. of uh, of cables and cords. The drunk drawer. It is a junk drawer, and and the thing is, I don't always know right away whether it's the cable mm-hmm. or the cube that's that's responsible for my inability to charge a phone or you know transfer data, whatever you know, whatever yeah, it may yeah. be. But I've got all these cords, and when I need one, some of them are completely obsolete. Okay, because as you know, uh, the cell phone companies, Apple certainly, likes to change things up every now and then. Yeah, yeah, they like to change the design. Well, get a load of this. Apparently, in Europe, what they have done, the European Union's Council approved a new mandate requiring phones to converge on a single wired charging standard beginning in 2024, which means that your phones and tablets and headphones will all use the same juice dongles for any device. So rather than having a different charging device for your Android phone or your iPhone, it's all going to be standard. After all this time, one cord yeah. fits all. It's about damn time. It's about damn time. Here's the, here's the thing. There are roughly 
1.2 billion active iPhones in the world. Okay, uh-huh. so that's a lot of phones. And uh, the the way it goes is you will replace those charging cables once or twice a year at roughly twenty dollars a pop. Right. So think about the the the. the Think about the numbers there for say I'm no math whiz at all, but I can tell you that if I got to replace the charging cord every year, once, twice, at twenty bucks a, a, a go, that's forty bucks a year. Yeah, multiplied right. by one point two billion times. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money, yeah. and to think that when they change the design of an upcoming phone, yeah. They sometimes switch how you charge that damn thing up, which means all your other cords are suddenly obsolete when you upgrade your phone. Yeah. This well, is they, an outrage. They do it on purpose. There's no difference in that charging cable that Apple gives you with the pins on it than it would be with a USB-C. You yeah. Know, if everybody had the same damn cord, it would be so much easier. And they'd still make money off of it because you still make them so cheaply put together that you're going to have to buy another cord anyway. You ever stand in line at like a Marshalls or a? You I know, try not to. I know you. Yeah. Know, I know, but every now and then you find yourself at like a TJ Maxx, and all of a sudden you say, "Oh my God, look at all, look at all these uh, knockoff charging cables they've got for sale." Well, they give that to you in the feeder line that they have there at the front. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. How many times have you said, "Boy, I really could use uh, some new earbuds at like." 12 bucks. Well, that's why they put that stuff right up at the front while people are waiting around going, you know what? I could use an extra pair of earbuds. Or, yeah. And or then a you cheese grater. And then you get them, right? Yeah. Or 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 like a like an oversized coffee mug that yeah. says it's wine o'clock. You know, it's just like you're 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 in that line and you say I really need a cord that's only 10 bucks cuz I feel like I'm going to get to save all kinds of money. Well, you don't know the standard size, and then you bring it home, it's the, it's completely the wrong cord and totally obsolete to what you need. Yeah. Well, now a standard will be set where you can buy that, that cheap knockoff cord with confidence, knowing that it is going to fit into your device. This is this is a landmark decision. Yeah, I think it, uh, I think it would eliminate a lot of problems, uh, especially for me when I'm always looking around the house looking for a damn charger cord. I don't know what my kids do with those things. One day I'm gonna like open up a cubby hole in my house and find a stash of like all these cords that I've been missing over the years. <laughs> you know how like when you you know people say where do the socks go in the dryer and then yeah. you take the dryer out to clean it and all the socks are in the bottom of the dryer. That's what's happening with the charger cords. It's exactly what's happening. I think the wall is sucking them up. And the and the, and the problem is you know sometimes you get these these other devices that yeah. have similar looking cords. That don't really. Oh, that's annoying. You know, like every everything charges with a USB cable, but then, you know, who marks who who labels these things? I Some people yeah. do, and that's smart. And every time I see someone who does that, I always say, "Boy, I should be labeling that." You know, a little piece of tape on it, and just you mm-hmm. know, put the name of what this thing goes to. But I'm too lazy to do any of that. Right. So I got a bunch of cables and cords that go into indiscriminate unknown devices that yeah. I can't keep uh, I can't keep up with this is this is a uh, you know it, it's for all the money that you and I can make with the battery boys I think we could also make a ton of money just selling cords just cords in fact well, that would be the name of the place uh, just cords discords even better like that name much uh, much smoother even though that's a social media app because I said that last week and uh, somebody point yeah you guys didn't know boomers 
that that's a social media thing. Well, it could very well be, but maybe we could change the 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 uh, the spelling of it. Yeah, dis like D I S K O R D S. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, we got a whole business going. This is what I'm talking about. Between- Can you imagine the kind of money you would make if you were selling charging cables, and that's all you sold? Yeah, you'd be you'd be a, a hundred air. We can make dozens of of dollar bills. Well, like I said, I buy I I would buy the uh, I buy the like the bulk cords, and somehow I bought all these bulk cords last year, and I don't know where any one of them are. Yeah, the the, uh, the one that bent to the Mayflower Marathon, I had to remove that uh, you know from you know operation. I threw that one away. I grabbed the one that was in my car. Yeah, and then used that at the Mayflower Marathon, and then I forgot forever to. Uh, for a couple of days to put that cord back into my car. Yeah. So I couldn't charge while I was driving. That's, you know, that's, that's a panic situation. The other thing you got to worry about those cheap ones is the piece, because I've had this happen before. I had like an old iPod. Yeah. And the cord broke off inside the, the charging port. Oh, Jesus. Because it was such a cheap piece of crap. The, the, I think the cord was from the dollar store Mm -hmm. or dollar tree or whatever. And uh, it, the the piece broke off inside. I had to like take it to the Apple Genius Bar to get somebody to remove the damn thing because I didn't have tweezers small enough to get get to it. Did the genius figure it out? Yeah, the genius figured it out for a, you know a fee of fifty nine dollars or whatever the hell it was <laughs> the, to, to do the work on it. But that that's what I'm saying. Like you know, you, you, how much did you spend on that cord? The cord was probably four dollars, and I just spent fifty something dollars to get it to get that cord taken out of the phone. I saw one of them uh, videos on the TikToks, you know, yeah. was show me the life hack that you wish you had known all along. And it was the same kind of thing. Like the cable gets caught, you know, in the uh, in the phone charger. Yeah. And what they had, the life hack was is you took like a hot glue gun and you got that thing all uh, fired up and ready to go. And then you put the uh, the, the glue in there. You keep the, uh, the into the into the gun. You take the you, you wait for it to cool down and then you pull that piece out. With the glue gun. Now, that sounds all very well and good, but you know that's not going to work, right? That's not going to happen. You you know that's going to... If gonna, it easily peels off the outside of the uh, of the device, then it's easily going to peel right off outside of the piece that's stuck in there. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. I said, this this is a setup. Did this, it work? No, it didn't work. Yeah, of course it did. Of course it didn't work. All of a sudden, you're going to have to replace your entire phone. Speaking of uh, phones, did you update the latest iOS system? To the 16.2 or whatever the hell it is? Yeah. I did. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like the way the font is on the time. I don't know if you can change that or not. I've uh, I've tried. I haven't uh, figured that one out. And then the the text messages can now come across the bottom of the screen. Do you have that too? Yeah, and I don't. I I'm not. Uh, I'm not crazy about uh, some of that. No, when a text message comes over, I want to see it plain and clear. I don't want to have to like look down and look yeah. for it. Look, look at a, look at the size of that. Yeah, that's huge. It's not right. Yeah, it's not right. They keep. You know what? Steve Jobs are alive today. He never would have made it. Never would have made it. <laughs> <laughs> We're just two idiots trying to figure out how to charge our phones without uh, spending breaking the bank on it. I know. I I just like the fact that they're talking about a a standard for all devices. That's it's about time. It's you know it's a big pain in the ass. They keep looking for charging cables that don't fit. I mean the USB C cords. I mean that's what's out there. But if you were to switch, you need a whole bunch of new cords. Hey, if Europe can do it, we can do it too. Yeah. What makes them so special? 
Well, they're way ahead of the times. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. It's uh, 621 with Bax and Nagel and Rock 102. Good. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 626. And Tom Petty with Bax and Nagel and Rock 102. Uh, rainy today with a high of 56 tomorrow. Sunny with a high of 48. It's 56 right now in downtown Springfield. Comedian Steve Byrne is going to be joining us after 7 o'clock. He's got a brand new special on Amazon Prime called The Last Late Show. It's actually a pretty cool comedy special done in a brand new way. We'll talk to him about that. He's also coming to... Uh, the area, the Fairfield Theater stage on uh, the 12th of January is the closest he's coming to Springfield. So, Steve Byrne coming up after seven o'clock. Uh, sweet, that's going to be awesome. He's a he, he's a, that whole special that he did is set up like a late night show, which is uh, pretty neat. He did um, a documentary a couple of years ago, and we talked to him about this. Yeah, about the amazing Jonathan who uh, died uh, just a couple of years ago. We talked to him about this already. Is that what you said? We talked to Steve Byrne about oh, oh, about oh, oh. it when he released this a couple years ago. I thought you were suggesting that we had already recorded this interview and we were going to play it back at 7 o'clock. Steve, what do you think we are? Magicians? Anyway, uh, he uh, released that <laughs> documentary yeah. at the same time that somebody else had released a documentary about The Amazing Jonathan. It's like, like The Amazing Jonathan said, yeah, I'll agree to a documentary. And then he winds up pitting like two guys after each other getting the same information about him. Well, you know, I mean, uh, in the view of, of the amazing Jonathan, uh, if somebody comes, if two people at the same time want to do a documentary on you, you're going to take the opportunity to do it. Which one is going to come out better? Well, I think what you do is you say, whoever can give me the best pitch, that's the one I go with. Very rare would you do it twice. It's like the most amazing Jonathan thing that jo amazing Jonathan could have done. And we'll talk to Steve Byrne about that. I've got a lot of questions. All right. All right. All right. We'll ask him. We got news coming up next to Rock 102. Hi, Jeff Sarah from Sarah Ford. It's 631 with Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. It's time for news, and it's brought to you by Gary Rome Hyundai. Rent the all-electric Ionic 5 for 28 days. It includes insurance. Try it before you buy it. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Uh, I told you about a major accident yesterday morning in uh, West Hartford on I-84, and unfortunately one person has died after that seven-vehicle crash that shut down I-84 West and West Hartford for several hours on Monday morning, causing significant delays. One lane reopened at about 12.40 p.m., and all lanes were reopened by 2.40 p.m. The crash happened just before 5 a.m. between exits 44 and 43 and involved two tractor trailers, a Connecticut Transit bus, a USPS postal truck, a FedEx truck, and two passenger vehicles, according to state police. No passengers were on the bus. The crash occurred when a Connecticut Transit bus was stopped in traffic in the center lane of I-84 west uh, east of the exit 44 off-ramp and was hit from behind by a tractor trailer. Police said the tractor trailer had been traveling in the right center lane prior to the exit 44 off-ramp. The tractor trailer did not stop in time, causing it to collide with the Connecticut Transit bus before striking the passenger side of the FedEx truck stopped in traffic. This is crazy. Jesus. According to police, the FedEx truck hit the back of a Honda Civic. Police said the after the CT Transit bus was struck, it traveled into the left center lane, colliding with the rear end of a Jeep Wrangler Sport and the back of the postal truck. The Jeep Wrangler Sport was then pushed into a Toyota RAV4. The West Hartford Fire Department said the jaws of life were used on multiple vehicles. State police said multiple people were taken to area hospitals for suspected minor injuries, and one person, unfortunately, was killed in the crash. 58-year-old Gary Michael Carter of Enfield was the one uh, killed. Police said he was driving the tractor-trailer. He was pronounced dead at the scene. 
Any witnesses of the crash are asked to call the Connecticut State Police. What a horrible, That's horrible awful. situation to be in. Just like a like a perfect storm of of, of bad luck. Well, Terrible. I mean, I mean, you know, I, you, I I've seen how many crash videos have you seen? It's like, wow, I can't believe that would happen. Here's here's your perfect storm. You got the truck stopped. You probably can't. The visibility's not that great, and all of a sudden, uh, you got a seven car pileup on the highway. You know, if you if you've never seen a pileup happen, and I I wish you don't because yeah. it's it's frightening, and you and you don't even realize how how things can escalate so quickly. I mean, the the time I I saw I wanted to be in like a like a almost like a sixty car pileup, and I was there for like the beginning, and we just missed it by feet. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's just like you're within seconds, and you don't always have the the time to react to to get yourself out of harm's way. And so you hear a story like this, like, oh my god, how is this? How's this possible? You know, it, it's possible. One of the scariest drives I've ever taken was through West Virginia. This was going back like 20 years ago. but it Not was, just because you were in West Virginia? No, I was coming back from Florida. I was uh, in the car with, with you know some friends, and we were driving back from Florida, and uh, we get to the Blue Ridge Mountains in West Virginia, and the fog is just ridiculous it's like you can't see maybe more than 10 feet in front of you yep. the only thing you can see are the brake lights of the truck in front of you and you're and and there was so much traffic that you were surrounded on all sides and you had to keep going at a certain pace in order to keep up with the traffic it was it was and it still was, keep your distance yeah and still keep your distance because if one of these trucks goes off the road or they hit somebody else you're done man well that's why i i've never understood like in fog or in situations where there's you know black ice on the road that there there's always somebody who feels like they are in such a hurry that they're yeah. willing to to put themselves and everybody else around them in danger and they start huh. driving like idiots well we're a little late on the whole weather thing this year. You know, the the ice really hasn't started to happen yet, and usually it does around November. Yeah. And now it ha- it hasn't really happened yet. The, when that first like ice uh, coating happens, you'll see cars going off the road because everybody's so used to driving the regular speed on the highway uh, that you 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 become. I don't know. I think you kind of have become a little arrogant if you <sighs> saying, "Hey, I can do this," and then all of a sudden you realize, "Whoa!" There's a, there's a level of invincibility that everybody has when they're behind the the wheel of a car. Like no one's no one's no one's driving anywhere thinking, "Well, the worst possible thing is about to happen to me." Mm. No one's thinking that way. What they're thinking is, you know, I need to go where I need to go, and there ain't nothing that's going to stop me from. From getting there, not you in that car or that guy in that car, and oh my God, who is that guy in front of me doing? Yeah, it's like the next thing you know, you know, you're in a pileup, and those things can become deadly pretty quick. The uh, state of Massachusetts has been designated as a danger zone for the highway road safety. Massachusetts is one of nine states in the country to rank uh, in the lowest category for highway and roadway safety. Partially because of its resistance to heightened seatbelt enforcement and use. Yeah.
you don't need to know. We don't play enough Kenny Loggins. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Advocates for Highway and Auto Safety on uh, Tuesday morning released its 2023 Roadmap to Safety, scoring all 50 states based on whether they had adopted the organization's optimal laws in six categories. Occupant protection, child safety, uh, teen driving, impaired driving, distracted driving, and automated enforcement to curb speeding. Massachusetts was among nine states that had overall scores in the danger zone indicating these states fall dangerously behind in the uh, adoption of advocates' recommended optimal laws. Well, you know, there's a lot of, you know, they used to say that Massachusetts had some of the best drivers in America. (laughs) That was a long time ago. Yeah. They don't say that anymore. We we don't do that anymore. Uh, In 2021, traffic fatalities reached nearly 43,000, and preliminary 2022 data reveal the figures remain egregiously high. That means that every day, 115 people are needlessly killed on our roadways. That's across the country, though. Yeah, but it's still 115 people more than you want. Yeah, but you think about all the people that live in this country. There's, what, 400 million people that live in this country? Something like that, Something like that. Uh, 115 a day. It's not that bad. Well, you're you're uh, you're playing with uh, life kind of loosely, don't you think? I am an optimist, Bex. That's not a very optimistic point of view. You don't think so? No. That uh, you got to play by the numbers. <sighs> it's like people who feel like you know people who feel like air you know they're going to die in a plane crash. You have more of a chance of dying going to the airport in a car in a, in a crash than you do uh, getting in any kind of aviation accident. How many people die in railroad uh, accidents? A lot. Year? Really? A lot of people do. Yeah. There's in, a lot you don't people hear in about. People tra- in the train or people that like are, you know, like, you know, crossing the tracks? Crossing the tracks. All right, well, I, if I, but if I'm trying to do, like, if I'm involved in safe travel, what's safer than a train? Uh, the train isn't as safe as you think it would be. The choo-choo? Yeah, the choo-choo. You have a risk of the train derailing. Please. Going off a bridge somewhere. It's All possible. Right. I, I, I'm sure it's possible. I mean, you know, they, they tell you that, uh, you know, automobiles are the safest way to, what is it? No, planes are the safest way to travel, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. But I don't know how many people die on a, tr- on a, on a train. Well, I don't know about like the, the passenger like, aspect. I do know that the people who try to cross train tracks, uh, you know, they don't last very long. No, they don't. But I'm just saying there aren't that many uh, derailments that uh, that kill people. Mm, I don't know about that. Well, Show me some statistics. Uh, arrests have been made in Greenfield following a string of packages being stolen from residents in the city. According to Greenfield, police officers arrested two suspects. Tuesday evening after they were believed to be the ones responsible for multiple stolen packages during the arrest. Officers uh, also encountered additional packages with address tags ripped off. Any residents who think they may have been a victim of recent package thefts are being asked to call the Greenfield police. The Porch Pirates. That's what they're called? Well, that's isn't that what they steal? Isn't that what they call them when they steal the packages off your front porch? This is why I don't leave packages on my front porch. 
one, I don't really have a porch. And two, I don't have packages sent to my home. I see uh, a lot I, of sketchy people in my neighborhood. I see people with the the big. Uh, there's a couple of people up in the hill towns who have the boxes at the bottom of their driveways because they live like up on a mountain. Mm-hmm. So they leave the box and it's like a it says package you know box thing and it's like a it's almost like a locked box where you can't open it unless you got a key but you can put packages into it. The only thing is, it's like, this really isn't going to work for something that's really heavy or really bulky and big. So I guess if you're only getting small packages. I don't know if I'd uh, if I'd want my packages left at the bottom of the street. Yeah, but then it's in a locked box. Even if it's in a locked box, what's to stop me from stealing the box? You ever meet the people of the hill towns? I have. Probably get a shotgun to the face before you even get that lock off the box. Not if the driveway is a quarter mile long. Because we don't call 911. We call Smith and Wesson. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a, that's a mantra. Yeah, I bet it is. A recent investigation in Greenfield involving numerous agencies resulted in the seizure of large amounts of drugs, cash, and one arrest. According to a post on Tuesday... Evening. They did this at the same time they were arresting those other guys? Good. On the Greenfield Police Department's Facebook page, several uh, court-authorized search warrants were issued for locations and vehicles within Greenfield. And on Monday night, 114 grams of cocaine was seized, approximately 560 bags of heroin, and and fentanyl. Bill. Don't piss off Barry. Yeah. And nearly $113,000 in cash was confiscated. Police said one Greenfield resident was taken into custody and charged with trafficking cocaine and fentanyl. No other uh, further details are on the investigation we're providing. And just 19 days from Christmas. Yeah, you know what? You, you ruined your life 19 days before Christmas. But wouldn't it be interesting you found out that all these things that are now quote-unquote evidence were actually Christmas gifts for other people? Like they weren't looking to use this for themselves or to sell it it's for Christmas. Yeah. Gifts. Uh, Hamden DA Anthony Galuni is scheduled to make an announcement this morning regarding the unresolved homicide of Shayna Price from more than three decades ago. Galuni will be in downtown Springfield around 11 a.m. Uh, to, to update the public about recent developments in the 32-year-old unresolved case. Shayna Price was found dead in Blunt Park in Springfield on December 26 of 1990. She was 17 years old at the time and had been found beaten, strangled, and sexually assaulted. Uh, we don't have any more uh, information on this, but uh, we'll be anticipating the DA's press conference on that. He's a he's a go getter. That guy. I tell with, you what, these older cases and uh, these unresolved ones. I don't. I I, I can't say that uh, you know his office is any more successful than anybody else's office at bringing up these cold cases, but he's got himself a pretty good stretch of uh, of resolved you know murder cases. You got to give the guy a lot of credit. Uh, if you work in law enforcement, you can't just take off your uniform, go on vacation party, and break the law, you know. <laughs> Says who? Well, see, this is, again, uh, you know, uh, there's a certain level of, I can turn a blind eye to some of these things that uh, officers do. Again, getting it, you know, we're talking about the, the police chief who had to resign yesterday because she asked a deputy to get her out of the traffic stop of her and this other person they were in a golf cart right Eh, come on Eh, that's part of the perks of the job you don't get that much money so in lieu of money uh you get perks and one of those perks is getting out of a traffic ticket but there is a level there's a certain point you get to 
where you're no longer protected under that. Yeah, I think it depends on the crime you're committing while you're off duty. Like this guy, a 30-year-old cop from Chicago named Henry Kapouch, was vacationing in Florida with his girlfriend recently. When he went off the rails, he was at a beachside bar early Monday morning when he was caught peeing in an ice machine. (laughs) An employee saw him and told him to stop. Henry looked like he had been drinking, obviously, and he cursed at the employee and shoved him a couple of times. The police showed up and Henry resisted arrest. He was eventually cuffed and was charged with assault and battery and disorderly conduct. You know, uh, I never, ever grab ice out of a hotel ice machine. Oh, no. It's disgusting. First of all, yeah, they're disgusting. First of all, they're hardly ever cleaned. And then, two, you don't know if someone has done the very same thing. That this guy did. It, I'm sure it happens a hell of a lot more than people would be willing to to consider. I guess it depends on what hotel you were in. Okay. Like if you were in, uh, let's say, uh, uh, the Waldorf Astoria in New York City. All right. I would trust the ice machine there. Probably. If you were at the uh, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil... <laughs> I wouldn't really necessarily grab the ice bucket for uh, a treat. Did they have an ice bucket at uh, an ice machine at the uh, the Agawam Motor Lodge? Yeah, see, that would be a place I wouldn't get the ice from. Yeah, in the ice bucket. Because if your ice smells funny, or the cubes are discolored in any way, you often don't see that until you bring it into your room and fill up your glasses with ice. This is. A, this, I say no, thank you. Uh, this would be a good uh, survey to take among listeners. Yeah, uh, on our Facebook page, would which hotel would you and which hotel would you not take ice from the ice machine out, or is that too wordy? Maybe too wordy. You know, d- are you the kind of person that grabs ice from the ice machine? I don't know. I don't know what the right the, the right question is. I don't know, but well, let's it is get our d- producer on that. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's, oh, that's right. right. We don't have one. It was a long shot. It was yeah, long. it really was. Yeah, it's an interesting question, though. Would you grab ice out of a hotel ice machine? I don't do it. I, I no longer do it. Well, we'll be back on the... <laughs> on the survey. Yeah, what, what are your best ice cube stories? You're uh, Pioneer Valley 4K. If you've ever eaten ice, 293-1021, it's uh, going to be rainy today with a high of 57. Tomorrow, Sunday with a high of 49. It's 56. I don't don't know if we should encourage that. It's 56 right now in downtown Springfield. I'm Steve Nagel, and that's the news on Rock 102. Ah, yeah. Football season is underway, and you can't wait. Classic Rock at 653 in the Rolling Stones at Bax and Nagel and Rock 102. Rainy today with a high of 57. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 49. It is 56 right now in downtown Springfield. Rock 102 is giving you 12 chances to win prizes, great prizes, and throughout the, uh, the month of December with the 12 days of prizemas. Just uh, yesterday, uh, Steve Rosecki of Ludlow won himself uh, $200 gift certificates in uh, to the still bar and grill great food icy cold beverages entertainment and banquet facilities at the at springfield street nagawam uh go to rock102.com and sign up then each weekday through tuesday the 20th we'll give away a 200 dollars value gift from one of 12 area businesses from places like hilltown chic uh the still uh stored in tavern soft touch auto wash Fenari jewelers and more it's the 12 days of prizemas on rock 102 you know i was just telling you about that uh, tampa police chief 
We yeah. talked about her yesterday. Mary O'Connor resigned Monday morning after body cam footage showed her flashing her badge to get out of a golf cart traffic violation. And while some at the TPD may be upset and disappointed with her sudden departure, others within the city's largest department celebrated by sharing memes. The memes, which were first obtained by a creative loafing Tampa Bay, were shared within TPD chats and cover everything from jokes about O'Connor's golf cart scandal to suggestions for her replacement. In one meme, O'Connor and her uh, husband Keith are seen driving through an intersection with streets named Resignation, Retirement, and Fast Lane, along with caution signs warning that golf carts will end career. Golf wow. Car, yeah. Okay. And another, O'Connor is photoshopped to appear at a DMV, finally getting a license plate for her golf cart, which was the primary reason she was pulled over <laughs> by the sheriff's office on November 12th. A few of the memes also touched on how some of the employees hoped for a return of Butch Delgado, who acted as interim chief during Mayor Jane Castor's police chief search, but was also ultimately passed up for O'Connor. Now, while current and former TPDs have anonymously told uh, uh, this creative loafing Tampa Bay website that O'Connor had a turbulent relationship with her rank-and-file staff, Castor maintains that O'Connor was well-liked and actually improved morale. Yes, once she got fired, everybody celebrated. All of them was very happy with her job. Yeah, you know, when that video came out, obviously this happened back on November twelfth. It took some time, like that word got around. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like this guy, this cop, because cops have discretion of whether or not to let somebody go. So he lets he lets the chief of police go, going. I would do that too if I was like a some sort of subordinate. I would be like, "Yeah, okay, chief. See you later. We'll see you back at the office or something." But he probably went and told everybody, "Hey, guess who I just let off?" And then that word got around, and then a bunch of people who didn't like her said, "Hey, you know what? Let's get that body cam footage and put it out on the internet." <laughs> well, and lo and behold, here's how that works. You know, it would be different if, uh, for example. Uh, in the golf cart was just like two rookie cops. Yeah, yeah. You probably you probably write them up for that. But the moment you figure out that there's a that there's a police chief in that, I mean, it, to me, it depends on the rank. Yeah, you know whether or not you you know you serve them with a with a warning or you let them go or all of a sudden they got a ticket. Well, I mean, anybody in that position. There's always somebody who doesn't want you to have that job. You know what I mean? Yeah. You think, you know, uh, Cheryl Claprood, you don't think there's other people out there would uh, would love to see something scandalous come out of that office? I don't think anything has come scandalous no, but, from, but, from her, but, but yeah. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like, there's always somebody who doesn't want you. To, there's somebody who doesn't want you to have your job. Me? Yeah, you. Come there's on. somebody who doesn't want me to have my job. Please. Name and, five uh, people that don't want me to have this job. You know what? That would be way too easy. You're going to need to give me at least 100. <laughs> 100? Yeah. Come on. But, you know, that's the kind of risk you take. This is why you can't be doing stuff like that. It's uh, 658 with Bax and Nagel and Rock 102. New England Patriots football. And now, Bax's View from the Couch. Brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Outdoor Power Headquarters. Steel, Ego, and Craftsman. Rocky's Outdoor Power Trifecta. Hey, good morning sports fans. How the heck are you? As you know, the world of Major League Baseball is busy rummaging through the list of available free agents and signing them to outrageous amounts of money. 
Yesterday, I told you that the New York Mets had signed former Houston Astros three-time Cy Young Award-winning pitcher Justin Verlander to a contract that will pay him more than $43 million a year for each of the next two years. In my opinion, that's a lot of money. Perhaps even too much money, especially since they're already paying pitcher Max Scherzer the same amount of money. And as I told you yesterday, between those two guys, that's more than the combined payroll of at least five different teams throughout Major League Baseball. But then you have the alleged bidding war that's currently being waged for the rights to sign Aaron Judge of the Yankees. According to the New York Post, the Yankees apparently have an offer on the table that would pay Aaron Judge more than $300 million to stay. Yesterday, it was reported in the Post that the San Francisco Giants have offered Aaron Judge a contract worth $360 million. Now, is Aaron Judge worth that kind of money? Technically, yes. I mean, the dude did hit a preposterous number of home runs this season, but he also turned down a seven-year, $215 million contract at the start of the season. Now, he's looking at a deal worth $300 million or more from somebody. What we don't know is how long these offers are for. Seven years, nine years, who the hell knows? Let's just say it's $360 million. If it's a 10-year contract, he'll obviously make $36 million a year. If it's a nine-year contract, $40 million. He'll make $45 million if it's for eight years, and $51.4 million if it's for seven. I would take the seven. Not because your standard of living changes all that much with an extra $15 million in your pocket every year, but because it gives you that cushion that would provide you with financial peace of mind. It isn't really that what it's, uh, it's all about in the first place. I would tend to think so, although I have no real evidence to back that up because my contract is probably equal to the loose change that's on the floor of his car. But hey, enough of my yapping sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. And if I were building stuff every day, which I don't, but if I did, I'd probably use Milwaukee Power Tools and I'd make AJ from Ludlow, the Ludlow Rockies to be my go-to person. AJ runs the Power Tool department at Ludlow Rockies and as a professional or homeowner, she is ready to help you every single time. Good people, rock solid service at every Rocky's Ace Hardware. I'm back, so that's my view from the couch. Rock. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock at 709. And ZZ Top with Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. Uh, rainy today with a high of 57. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 49. It is 56 right now in downtown Springfield. Comedian Steve Byrne has been on our uh, show before. Uh, he's got a brand new comedy special that's on Amazon Prime called The Last Late Show. You've seen it already. You thought it was great, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was a pretty awesome concept for a comedy special. He's also uh, coming to the Fairfield Theater stage on January 12th. That's the closest he's going to come to this area on uh, on this current tour. But you know that how uh, you know how those things can change. And uh, he's on the phone with us right now. It's comedian Steve Byrne. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. The last late night, I just watched it the other night, Steve. This I thought this was one of the coolest ideas that you could do for a comedy special. Bravo, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, I just thought it was, a, I mean, it was obviously funny that you're the guest and you're the one interviewing yourself. Well, not interviewing, you know what I mean, that you were you were part of every aspect of that show, uh, of the thing. How, how does a, a comedy special get put together like that? Do you invite the people personally in the audience, or is that just open to anybody buying a ticket? Because there was a couple of times in there where you mentioned, hey, I just, I just saw my neighbor in here. Was your neighbor really in the crowd? Yeah, my neighbor was in the crowd. I, I, first off, yeah, anybody can come to it, right? It's, it's just tickets go on sale and everything. And my neighbors happened to come. I, I filmed it. I just moved to Nashville, Tennessee, 
and um, we filmed it in Nashville. I, I just looked at this one theater. I said, "Wow, this is beautiful." And um, and when you're up there on stage, you're <laughs> you're doing these jokes, and the spotlights hit you. And there's certain, you know, you know when they say find your light. So you got to find the spotlight. It's kind of the opposite when you're on stage. There's dark spots in the audience, and you can't really see people. And so I was shifting around on stage, and I looked out, and this person I kept going to and making fun of, I realized, oh, my God, that's my <laughs> literally my next-door neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> so embarrassing. That, that, that's going to make for great uh, great relationships among the neighborhood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, people people uh, know that uh, I'm a little more foul-mouthed than, <laughs> than they think, so, yeah. Yeah, I was just on like IMDb, just you know, looking things up. Uh, your rating on this on this uh, special is really good—an eight point four out of ten. That's uh, that's that's really really good. So obviously, this you know, this is connecting to people. Yeah, look, I think it's I think it's different. I think that's why people enjoy it. You know, there's so many hour specials out right now on YouTube, on Netflix, on whatever, all the streamers, <clears throat> and it's somebody coming out in front of a curtain. I said, let's do something different. So I thought. Let's do it under the format of a late-night talk show. So you're going to turn, tune into this. It looks like a late-night talk show. It opens like a late-night talk show. There's a talk show band. And then a talk show really is three styles of writing. You come out, you got your monologue, which are topical one-liners. Then you transition over to the desk, and you sit at the couch, and that's storytelling. It's called panel. And then you have traditional stand-up. So I thought 20 minutes of each of those, one hour, do that. It took five years to cultivate and write the material specifically for this because – I think a lot of times people think, oh, you're a comedian, just go roast that person. Or you're a comedian, just go improv and do crowd work. It's like all these things are different muscles. So I had to learn the muscle, um, for example, of one-liners. That's not, you know, my forte of just set up punch, set up punch. So it's all these things. It took a long time, but I think uh, the execution's there. The reviews are in on Amazon. It's it's close to five stars. Um, so it's it, that 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 is really, really... Um, you know, you just feel kind of like redeemed after that. It, it, it's been great. Well, like it, it's such a it's such a cool concept for a comedy special. And I'm not just blowing smoke up your butt unless you're into that kind of thing, and we can talk <laughs> later. But I've been uh, to San Francisco a few times. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk after the show. <laughs> um, then, then assume the position, and we'll be with you in a minute. <laughs> but but, yes, but the doctor. but the idea that you you know you see you know, comedians uh, all the time come out with oh I got a special on Netflix and it's basically just a stand up show. I just thought this was such a cool concept that, you know, obviously it's only you, but it's it's still different aspects and presented all, each one of those segments that you just talked about, the 20 minutes each, it, pre- it presents it in a different way. So you're not maybe getting bored or losing your mind uh, by listening to somebody talk for, for 45 minutes. Sometimes I have to go back and watch those specials again. But I, but yeah, I, I think you're you're completely right. I think I think sometimes, look, I, I, there's a, I, I don't want to name any comics because we're you know, after a while, you just know everybody. But, but there's comics that have a certain cadence, right? And and you can almost kind of see the punchline coming with how they did, how they how they deliver it. Or there's some people that are just kind of dry, right? They sit in the pocket and they don't really move around. They're not they're not selling the joke like Sebastian Maniscalco, for example, does a great job at selling the joke and keep you keep your attention over the course of 60 minutes. Um, he's a rarity, right? Bert Kreischer is a rarity. So I thought this is a great opportunity to kind of mix it up. So you're really seeing three different styles, and I think it lends to the fact that in this day and age where you can just click out and go to something else, it really does catch your attention because of the transitions and the commercial breaks, 
we have fake commercial breaks that are crowd work. I mean, it really is like four styles. Now that I think about it in, in one special. So my audience warm-up just dumps on me, and we made that one of the commercial breaks, and we're just riffing on each other, and he's just dumping on me. It's just, <laughs> just a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, a, a, couple of, a couple of years ago, we had you on, and, and this is like right around the time that you uh, released that, that documentary about the amazing Jonathan. And sure. and I thought it was outstanding. I I really thought you did a fantastic job and a very respectful uh you know job at it. Um, but then simultaneously, somebody else comes up with another documentary. It's like the like there were two documentaries on the amazing Jonathan. Did you realize that there was another one going on, or is that something that Jonathan kind of set up without you knowing? No, I mean I found out when Jonathan. <laughs> You know, Jonathan is a train wreck, okay? I think we, we all know that by now. So Jonathan's out of his mind, and for those that don't know, he's one of the greatest comic magicians of all time, Vegas headliner, and he's, a, uh, he, he's, got, he's got, like, he, he's, he's crazy. I don't know how else to put it. So when I flew out to go do this documentary on him, that's when he let me know, oh, there's somebody else doing a documentary about me, and I'm just like, Jonathan, yeah, this is worst-case scenario. Yeah. So... So, of course, it's him, but when you're friends with him, you kind of expect the worst, and right. um, <laughs> it, it happened, yeah. So, all the drama that unfolded, everything that, that happened because of that, um, it was kind of par for the course. It's like, Joel said it best in the documentary, you know, with most people, you'd be upset, but when it's Jonathan, it's like, what are you going to do? And that's exactly how I feel about it. And, and you know, and, and, and like I said, I watched yours first, and it's like, I think it's the one I prefer, because... And I don't even, I can't even tell you why I thought that. It's just that it was the first one of the two I saw, and it, it, it was done in such a loving and respectful way of, you know, following this guy who is absolutely freaking bananas. <laughs> and, you know, and, and not just it's a stage act, and he's like, you know, a, a guy who's crazy on stage, but you sure. you get off the stage and he's a quiet, mild-mannered guy. He's not like a, like a Gilbert Gottfried who's like off the stage is like, oh, you know, just you know, quiet, normal person or relatively normal. This is a guy who is crazy all day long, every single day. Oh, I mean, you, you'd watch a show and he's got that big prop of like this huge bowl filled with white powder and this enormously comically big straw. He's putting it to his nose. And it looks like he's doing cocaine. And he's actually doing cocaine. He's, he put cocaine in the straw. And so he's, he's doing cocaine. And then, you know, for all the mayhem and the craziness you saw on stage, it's like, oh, his real life's crazier than, than the other. <laughs> That's when the real show would start. So you're 100% right about him. He's, he's, there will never be another like him. He's, he's one of the most entertaining guys i've been with and he's constantly pranking you like you'd sit down you'd go to the bathroom you take a sip your iced tea and he dumped the whole salt shaker in there and you know <laughs> like it was non-stop with him and he's that's why kind of a I, jerk <laughs> yeah. yeah uh this is comedian steve byrne on the phone with us uh promoting the uh the last late night now i just want to go back to the special for for a second because you mentioned about how five years in the making that you had this idea going for this Sure. Yeah. So, there was, look, it, it's it's a it's a concept, right? It, right. The, the, like even as we're discussing this, the concept. There's a lot of people that didn't get it. The production company, the you know, you could see the trailer, you could see the execution. Friends and family came to the tape and they go, "You kept explaining it, but I I kind of got it, but I didn't understand until I saw it." That was a big part of it. It was rejected by everybody. Nobody wanted it, and I was getting to the point where I believed in the concept and the material 
so much that I was like, I, I, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to give up on it. And so what happened was I was about to film it on my own. I was just going to produce it and put it up on YouTube. And then Ryan Prozzi from Amazon came out and saw this special, and he, he's the first one that understood it. And um, that's how it all kind of happened. But, yeah, it, it was a tumultuous five years. It, it, it just constant rejection. But I, I just believe in the concept so much. So I'm, I'm glad it came out. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a great idea. We actually did for this morning show years ago, we came up with the concept of, hey, you know what? Let's take the morning show and put it on a live stage show at night as if we were going through an hour and a half of the morning show. And oh, we wow. have all the different features. We have special guests and things like that. And it was it was a home run. We sold it out almost every year. Yeah, like for seven years in a row, we yeah, sold it out. It was crazy. Yeah, it was great. That's great. I think, I do, I think you got to mix it up from the status quo every now and then. And I think when you, you look, fortune favors the bold, right? So your congratulations to you guys. And uh, you ultimately, I didn't tell anybody this, and I, I never mentioned this, you were my inspiration in, in making this happen. So thank you guys so much. Really? really? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to think that a uh, very successful comedian Listen. would be complimenting two idiots out in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, but is, is, is this is this the part where you were expecting the smoke blowing up your ass? Yeah, is that, is yeah. that what this, this was? Yeah. <laughs> this ain't San Francisco, pal. Circle, <laughs> it's all full circle. That's right. <laughs> Go ahead. Comedian Steve Byrne, the name of the uh, the special, The Last Late Night on Amazon Prime. Steve, it's great to, uh, to talk to you. Best of luck with the special. Looks terrific thank you guys so much and happy holidays to you both you, you too, too steve, steve burn with bax and nagel on rock 102 hi it's hank for two springfield's classic rock it's 727 in white snake with bax and nagel on rock 102 gonna be rainy today with a high of 56 tomorrow sunny with a high of 44 it is 56 right now in downtown springfield tomorrow is uh scott zolak joining us uh, on the phone uh, lots of patriots stuff to talk about and I believe, don't hold me to this, I believe tomorrow is a Thunderbird Thursday. We'll have uh, all kinds of Thunderbird stuff to give away. Don't hold me to that. i got to find out for sure, but I'm pretty sure that tomorrow is the day. Well, I heard a commercial running that it was. So yeah, I, it is. I've heard a lot of information uh, on the radio station that uh, could be out of date or, uh, you know, what have you. You know, what have you. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, but I believe it's coming up tomorrow. Uh, all right, cool. All right. It's going to be an awesome day. Seemingly, yeah, I guess so. Well, it's Scott Zolak and uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I uh, I woke up uh, with a kink in my neck this morning, mm-hmm. and I you know I don't know what uh, if I slept Which one? wrong. You're, you really got me, or uh, so tired of waiting for you? Uh uh uh, uh no, it's uh, David Watts. Oh, and a little more obscure. Oh than yeah, that. yeah. Anyway, it uh, it hurts. It hurts to move to the to move my head to the left, mm-hmm. and it hurts to move my head to the right now I, I have a meeting to go to this afternoon like yeah you know, out of the building yeah and it's one of those things where the table is going to be i'm going to have to look to the left and look to the right like the entire meeting and so i i'm i'm going to have to somehow uh deal with this outrageous pain of mine so why don't you just sit at the end of the table well i would prefer that but you know that's a little presumptuous you know, yeah. to sit at the end of the table, like you know, this is my meeting. I, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to have that kind of opportunity where it can be, you know, I'm the one running the. I'm just, I'm just the someone attending the meeting. Well, just get Not there. My early, meeting. Get there early and get the first seat, and you will sit yourself at the edge of that table, and yeah. everybody will be like, "Oh yeah, that's right. He's the big radio star. He can get to sit here at yeah. the end of the table." Now my, you know, my wife has had some, uh, you know, neck problems over the last, uh, you know, year or so. Yeah. So I can't go home today 
and and uh, complain like I normally would, you know, as a man, you know, because that's I mean that's what a man does. He complains about how much more sick yeah. and in pain he is than everybody else uh, around him. I don't think I can get away with that today. You know, uh, I was just talking with uh, with our uh, promotions director the other day, right, uh, about uh, an issue she had. Which I'll reveal all of her personal medical information on the on the radio. Okay, uh, but it, no, it was a discussion about uh, necks and how necks, like because we look down at our phones all the time, right? That our that our biology is changing, like like the like your not biology, you know, what I'm talking about like your bone structure, yep. is changing, and your neck is bending this way. And they were, uh, she was saying that you know the doctor. Was telling her to do all these little exercises by putting your chin to your chin mm-hmm. to your chest and all that stuff to straighten your neck out, because our necks are so used to looking down at our phones all the time. That's probably why you have neck problems, friend. No, I, I think I slept wrong. Like I think I just like got uh, like twisted around on the pillows. Yeah, and, you know, how that? Yeah, you know, just. Yeah. I don't know. I think you get uh, you got cell phone head. <sighs> I do spend a lot of time on my phone. Yeah, not making calls, but you know, playing games and. Yeah, researching. Oh, is that so? Well, not for this show. <laughs> I mean, cut researching for your own personal pleasure. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, no, I do a lot of I do a lot of uh, you know researching. Yeah. Hmm, where can I find the twinks today? <laughs> <laughs> He's retiring from radio so young. What? <laughs> what is that? Yeah. It's seven thirty one. News is next. A rock one hundred two. Seven thirty three. With Bax and Nagel and Rock 102, it's time for news. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Uh, thanks, Bax. Today is December 7th, which is uh, when the Empire of Japan attacked the U.S. naval base at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, now 81 years ago. More than 20 horror. The day that shall uh, live in infamy. And uh, had you not mentioned it uh, just a second ago, I probably would have forgotten about it. You know, when is that day of 9-11 going to be like almost like this? You know, it's a. Uh, it's actually. I actually feel bad about not remembering that December seventh is the big day. You know, I mean, that's it's an important historical landmark. It's a very important historical landmark. But how many people forget about it every year? Probably more than a, a, a few. And I would think that at some point down the road, once our generation fades out and uh, the younger generation takes over, that they'll start forgetting about it. Probably after the fifty-year mark. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, here's something crazy. So, you know, so uh, like this weekend, uh, one of my kids is going to turn 21, and uh, they were born. All three of them were born after September 11th. Mm-hmm. No, I take that back. Uh, my oldest one was born, but she was 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 over a year. But I mean, she's so young, they have no recollection of that day. Yeah. So it's not going to have the impact on on them the same way for those of us who actually saw that day, even though we're talking about September 11th their entire lives. So I, you know, you wonder whether it's the generation after them that is more disconnected from it than uh, than we are with with the attack on Pearl Harbor. Yeah, eventually, though, like uh, we're saying, uh, you tend to just not pay attention to that stuff. Like, there's probably many other things throughout history that we don't celebrate anymore or remember. Not not in the same way. Even though, I, you know, I think a case could be made September 11th should become a, 
a national uh, day of remembrance and, and maybe like a national holiday, perhaps. Yeah, but then you'd have to make this a national holiday as well. <sighs> yeah, I suppose. I'm just really that, looking for an extra day out of work. National holidays are determined by the financial system in this country. The national holidays aren't determined by, you know, because if that were the case, then uh, we'd have all these national holidays uh, pretty much every week. Because it'd be something to remember or something to celebrate or something to mourn or whatever. No, I know. I know. Well, look at uh, look what we were talking about the other day. You know, Diwali, which is the uh, the Hindu celebration of light. You know, that's a national holiday. That's that's five days of celebration. Right? We're not getting those days off. No, we're not. We should, though. I would I would start celebrating. I, I would actually put lights out of the porch for five straight days, and that would be my celebration. Uh, I'm the kind of person that would embrace any culture as long as I get the day off. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, the, you know, you, whatever group is out there. Uh, that's your thing. That's your thing. But if you're going to make it a national thing, I'm all for it. I'm all part of it. I will convert to whatever religion you need me to convert to in order to celebrate those holidays. You know, whenever we're given a day off, Labor Day, Memorial Day, mm -hmm. do we try to take Veterans Day off? Uh, did we get that one off? We don't get Veterans <sighs> Day off. That's, we got to fight for that one. We get Martin Luther King Day off. And appropriately so. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, on those uh, rare occasions where there's a national holiday and we don't get the day off. I think we should start making demands around here. When when, when I worked for a different radio company, they ha that was my job was to work all of those days that they had off. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and it was every holiday. It was like Columbus Day. It was it was all of these things that normal businesses shut down for, but we here at this place we don't. I mean, I don't think people really understand. Uh, the hard work that goes into every single day of this show. I mean, it's really just so cumbersome. But it's like uh, the least they could do. Toss us a couple holidays. You know, paid holidays. I mean, I'm going to take a day. I'm not going to take the day off and, you know, not get paid for it. But, you know, a couple of paid holidays, a little bit more of them, I think would be uh, very much welcome. You, br you bring up an interesting point about that. Uh, you know, I know you're, you're kind of joking when you say all the hard work that we put into. This is a, a a kind of a difficult job. Well, I mean, it depends on the, what you mean by difficult. Well, every 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 career and every you know any kind of job has its own you know perception of what you do. Right. You know, you would look at a construction guy and go, "Man, that guy works his ass off." Sure. You know, he's probably busting his busting his uh, hump every day. But then when you actually talk to the construction guys, they'll tell you which one's lazy and which one doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But like uh, like every job has their has their things that go along with it. And this is, you know, y the perception is, yeah, they're gone by 10 o'clock every morning. Yeah, but what of all the things that we're doing all day long in order to prep for the next time we come up and do this thing? I got the things that we go to, like the... Like the 4 o'clock meeting I have today. The 4 o'clock meeting or the celebrity bartending or any number of different things that we're out and about doing during the week mm -hmm. that require us to be here outside of the 5.30 to 10 a.m. time slot that we're in. Well, I mean, you say it's a, it is a much harder job uh, than, it, than it appears to be. 
Well, I, but yet they'll hire any slob to go, you know, jamming into a to an existing uh, program and uh, see what happens. Yeah, but uh, difficulty level. Yeah, they will. Uh, difficulty level, though. You know, I mean, yes, there are a lot worse jobs on the face of the planet that I would not want to have. Right. And this is a very fun career and very fun thing to do. You having that much fun? I'm not. Well, I'm having a lot of fun now. <laughs> there was a period in my life of this career. Yeah, we, that that was. There, I, like I could a, actually put you, you know, point my finger at a couple of blocks of time where yeah, I say, hmm, no boy, matter, that could have been a whole no lot more fun. How, no matter how many times I would turn on the TV and Brian Lapis would say the sun is shining outside, I would be like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. There's like wind and rain and black clouds and <laughs> hail. And it was this period that lasted for like six and a half months. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but, but with that aside, I mean, it, there's a lot that goes into doing this thing. You know, once we are done with the air, we're our own producers now. We don't have a producer for the show. Yeah, that's got to change. But I've been doing this long enough, and you've been doing this long enough, that we we can get by with some of the stuff. Yeah, but, but I, we, we're prof- we are professionals <laughs> that, uh, you know, quite frankly, should be crapping all over some young kid trying to get ahead. And that's and that's what the, the kind of intern or producer we need. Well, uh, you know, uh, there's all kinds of people looking for work out there right now. Yeah, I suppose. You know, maybe we could we could snag onto one of them. <laughs> Someone who would work for fives of dollars a month. That can't be hard to find. Oh, it's it's really not that hard to find. Uh, I have some news here, actually. Do you want to hear? Uh, so soon? Yeah, I know. We've spent all this time doing other things. Uh, there was a story that I was trying to find here, and I lost it now. I talked about the Greenfield package thefts last hour. Yeah. I talked about the horrible crash on I-84. Yeah. Oh, this is the one. Uh, This is an important community thing. After enduring a medical emergency last week, a Ludlow soccer coaching legend is leaning on the support of the entire community. Uh, There's no Ludlow soccer without Greg Cold... I'm going to screw up his name. Kaladizzi. Kaloji. Kaloji? Yeah. Is that how you say it? I believe so. All right. So I'm sure he's uh, going to be back winning the state championship next year, said senior forward Sam Kochi. Last Thursday, Ludlow High School boys soccer coach Greg Kaloji suffered a major heart attack. He's been part of the Mm. program for over three decades, filling trophy cases. Uh, He does so much for the community. He helps with younger clinics around town. He does community service and helps volunteer and everything and anything around town. Kaloji's family told Western Mass News that he has successfully underwent surgery on Monday, the first step in a long road to his recovery. His team is banding together to send their coach videos and share support. Uh, we, we love you. Uh, everyone here loves you, said forward uh, Enzo Bada. We uh, all want to want you to make it out of this, and we want you to see, see you succeed even more than you already have. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, that's a horrible thing, though, to suffer. Yeah, but he's, but he's recovering. He is recovering, good. so that's the that's the good part. But you know, it's always when you see good people suffer setbacks like that, it, it's like, oh man, that sucks. Like you got a whole team relying on you, you got a community that relies on you for all the things that you do for them. How old is he? They say, I don't know how old he is. Because I mean, I don't believe he's that old. He's probably not. Three man. decades. He's probably either in his fifties or sixties. Which is still pretty young to have a heart attack. Unbelievable. But, uh, well, yeah. hopefully hopefully things work out for you. Yeah, me. let's hope so. Um, oh, gee, it's 7.43 already? Already? All that time we talked about working. And you did one story? Two, maybe? You didn't maybe? even work. 
<laughs> and you, yeah. And here we are trying to make the case that we're working really hard. Maybe we could use a guest host. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. Your Pioneer Valley forecast today going to be rainy with a high of 57. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 49. It's 56 right now in downtown Springfield. I'm Steve Nagel, and that's the news on Rock 102. Ah, yeah. Get them what they really want. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 749 and the Eagles with Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. Uh, rainy today with a high of 57. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 49. It is 56 right now in downtown Springfield. Tomorrow night, Coors Light and Rock 102 will give somebody, to win, uh, somebody a chance to win $5,000. Pat Kelly is going to be at the uh, Taft Sports Bar at MGM as uh, Las Vegas takes on Los Angeles. If there is a safety in the first quarter, which could happen in any game, Someone's going to win five grand. Plus, there'll be lots of other great prizes from Rock 102 and Coors Light. Come watch the game at TAP MGM Springfield tomorrow night. You could win five grand from Coors Light and Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. All right. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Now hear this with Bex and Nagel on Rock 102. You know what day it is, Bex? Uh, Wednesday. It's way back Wednesday. <laughs> Way back Wednesday? Way back Wednesday. All right. Uh, here's a way back Wednesday of a clip that was posted back in 2008. Two women with terrible voices singing the gospel classic, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And you can in the video, you can see that they're joyless during the entire song. The younger woman managed to, to avoid eye contact with her mom and the camera. And one more thing. This is from an obscure Canadian public access show that aired some 20 years before it actually <laughs> went viral in 2008. It already sounds great. I just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Here's Henrietta and Myrna Newdorf right now singing. Where either Jamie Farr or J.P. Morgan grabs the mallet and oh. hits the gong. Oh yeah, that's I it. About yeah, that. That wow, pretty good, huh? You know, we don't. Um, other than Ed Targonski, who was the uh, the king of local Polish cable uh, access television, yeah, there are no great cable access stars anymore that no. I'm aware of, no. and I really wish there were some. Yeah, I haven't seen a local cable access star in a long, long time. It's like mostly you know, town meetings and uh, what have you, but uh, even Chip Harrington used to have a uh, a local cable access show. Really? Yeah. He used to interview uh, you know, popular people around the area. He interviewed us one time. On his public access show? On his public ask access show. It was very, very good. I wow. think you can still find that on YouTube somewhere. Well, I'll have to t- uh, take a look at I think that. it's like a three-part uh, like a three-part interview. Fascinating. I gave answers like you wouldn't believe. You know what? Thanks so much for reminding me what I can do in my downtime is look up <laughs> public access cable shows. <laughs> you remember that? Uh, remember that interview with Charlie Ryan? Oh boy, that was he, a humdinger. He was good. Uh, clip number two: Dog accidentally pulls a fire alarm at a doggy day camp. He's gonna get trouble for that one. Bad dog. Uh, firefighters in Iowa were summoned to a doggy day camp when an excited pooch accidentally pulled the fire alarm. 
how are you supposed to do that without thumbs and, hand, and fingers? I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Here's Dogwood's lodge owner, Jessica Tapper, talking about what led to Birdie pulling down the alarm. She had just arrived for day camp and was just bouncing around and bounced into the fire alarm and pushed it in, pulled it down, and that was it. Birdie got to meet the fire department, yeah. so. She didn't seem to care at all. The other dogs were freaking out. Bad dog. Bad. Now, no. when that uh, foam comes out of the ceiling, do you rub the dog's nose in it? I don't know, but does the dog get charged with filing a with a with a, with a, with a false alarm? He's going to have to get community service. I would think so. Yeah, you don't just get out of that too easily, even if you're a dog. Uh, clip number three: a legendary uh, sword swallower out of San Diego. Oh, really? <laughs> was hospitalized after an awful accident during his show that involved multiple blades. Here's Scott Nelson talking about what went wrong during his act that caused the horrible injuries. I swallowed five swords at once, but what had happened is I let go of the bunch too soon, and they scissored out inside of me, which means some of the blades went in different directions. Ah! That's awful. Ah! Can you imagine that? How do you, I mean, okay, I'm not a sword swallower. I imagine the first time you do it. Oh, really? Go ahead. What makes a guy think he can swallow five? I don't know. How do you work your way up to five? No one's ever asked you that when you stopped at Swallow Hollow on 91. How many swords can you swallow up there, Bax? Stop it. Mm -hmm. Stop Mm -hmm. that right now. Yeah. This This is no Joey Chestnut. He's the well. He's the Joey Chestnut of swords. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but Joey Chestnut actually digests the things he puts in his mouth. Does he though? Yes, he does. Are you sure he doesn't I, refund gets, them? Everything gets digested. I don't know about that. Speaking of digesting things, uh, we have a treat. Oh, I in know. The studio, and I let me see if, we, if he's out there in the hallway. I don't even know if he is. I think hey, he. Mike, there we go. All right. All right. He's on the. He, we're on, we got him in here. This is uh, Mike Ostrowski from uh, Ara Credit Union. Good to see you, Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. Who, who stopped by with uh, these pastries that I told him not to bring? Well, let's let's just back up. During the Mayflower Marathon, uh, you know, something was said about those little delicious Portuguese custard cups from Ludlow. So delicious, I forgot the uh, the name of them. And uh, and I think you said don't bring those because yeah. you were gonna bring them. And and Steve said no, and yeah. uh, and I right. said, what do you talk? You never ever turn your nose up at Portuguese pastries. All right, here's one for you. Oh my God, I love hey, this. I gotta tell you, in all fairness to Steve, he said that there was so many things that you guys get at Mayflower Marathon that uh-huh. you know, just push it off. And I said, sure. Yeah. And, oh man, these are delicious. Where, where'd you get these? These are at Ludlow Central Bakery. Fantastic. Mm. And, uh, and Steve, I see you looking at the Napoleon with love in your eye. That one's mine. The Napoleon. These. Oh, what's that? It looks like it's got uh, chocolate. Chocolate. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's Pull back a, the layer and you see. Oh, oh my yeah. God. See? I know. These things are delicious. Yeah. You see? And then these are almonds. Almond ones. Ask and you shall receive. Uh, I think we're going to gain five pounds this week between you and Judy <laughs> Matt and uh, anybody else that comes in and everything. But yeah. uh, we, we do appreciate the uh, the gift. Yeah. All good. All good. Like I said to Bax this morning, I'm the pastry Sherpa. So. That's <laughs> and by the way, you're not getting a free commercial out of this. I'm not looking for, not looking for one. I'm just, the kind of his heart. I'm just joking Listen, with that guy. Jeez. This is the goodness of my heart. I told you I was going to do this. Yeah. I know you did. I'm just... 
we're a joking show. We're, we, this is comedy. You know, the funny part about it is we actually told you not to do it yesterday because, you know, Judy Matt comes in here and, you know, the, the place gets lined up like it's like the old country buffet. But, uh, but when they, we, you, but, oh my God, I, I, you know, I don't know why we're still talking. I should be eating these things and pop, you know, plopping them into my face. Yeah. Oh, you got to do a taste test on that. I got to know if that one's any good too, Steve. Oh. Yeah, we'll get right to that. One? Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll one get right too. to that. Mike, yeah. thanks so much for uh, for stopping by yeah, and dropping off uh, a whole <laughs> a whole taste of Portugal. Fantastic. You got it. it. Thanks, gentlemen. You bet. It's 758 with Bax and Nagel and Rock 102. This week it's a Thunderbird Thursday with Bax and Nagel. Tune in or- Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 811 in ACDC with Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. Going to be rainy today with a high of 57. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 49. It's 56 right now in downtown Springfield. Uh, I'm reading this story here about uh, banks are devising ways to ID mass shooters before they strike. Uh, banks are developing technology to identify potential mass shooters, according to a CEO backing the push to get credit card companies to closely track gun purchases. Detection scenarios are in the works that, if triggered, no pun intended, yeah, right, would prompt banks to file a suspicious activity report to the Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Uh, that's according to Almagamated Alma Bank Chief Executive Officer Priscilla Sims. Uh, they said at the uh, New York Times uh, deal book conference on Wednesday, we're at the very early stages of this. This particular code just got approved in October. So those detection scenarios are still being brought together. Um, you know what? That sounds like a disaster. It sounds like a huge disaster. Because if you're buying a gun legally, what's to prevent you from being tied up in this system of uh, of weeding out, you know, who's dangerous and who's not? Just because you buy a gun doesn't mean that you're you know going to go and Cause a you know, to start up a, a, a shooting. I'm more willing to uh, put people under the microscope who have gone on social media and have said things like, "Hey, everybody's going to be sorry tomorrow." You know what I mean? Like, you, how many times do you hear about that after a mass shooting? That there was all these signs that nobody paid attention to. Yeah, uh, because somebody was uh, mentally ill, going nuts, and uh, writing all this stuff, and, and nobody did anything about it. And then, so now you want to go to the point where anybody who buys a gun, you're going to red flag? It, to me, that's, that, that's terribly yeah, unfair. That seems like a violation of your rights somehow. Listen, uh, not for nothing. Hey, I'm not uh, complaining about banks. My God, a credit union just, <laughs> a guy from a credit union just gave us pastries. But, uh, you, you know, at, at the very least, are, are they really equipped to do that kind of vetting? I I, uh, I I don't, don't know. know. It, it, while major payment networks have said they would adopt the new code, some have argued it won't have its intended effect. Visa Inc., for example, has said it doesn't have access to data showing the products consumers are actually buying. Well, yeah. If you go, I mean, think about when you go to a uh, you go to a convenience store, sure, and you buy a bunch of items. The charge just shows up on the on the credit card statement as you purchase things at Pride. Or it gives you whatever the description is, pride store Doesn't number. Doesn't itemize it. It might it might tell you the you know the exact store you were at or where you were, but it doesn't itemize every little thing that you bought. It's like oh, this guy bought a pack of gum. 
What's he doing? You better flag that guy. Uh, that means uh, the network and its banking partners would have no idea if a gun store customer is purchasing an automatic rifle or safety equipment, which makes complete sense. If you think of it, you go to a hunting store, you can buy any number of items yeah. in a gun shop other than guns. You can buy... Uh, I don't know, uh, yeah, camouflage. I, I, you can buy clothing. You can buy uh, fishing, uh, fishing stuff. Yeah, I, I, I just, <laughs> I just don't trust that. You know, banks are going to get that right. I mean, it has nothing to do with whether it's a bank, but it has everything to do with it's a business that's not necessarily in the business of vetting whether somebody has the capability of being violent. Yeah, that's not really a bank's job, and the purchase of. A gun does not necessarily mean that this is what you're going to wind up doing with the gun. Yeah, uh, policymakers have uh, said they're concerned lenders will use the data to create an unofficial list of firearm owners in the U.S., which certain government agencies are prohibited from already doing so. Banks already file thousands of suspicious activity reports every year as they detect a litany of potential misdeeds by customers. The new code should mean that they uh, treat the issue of tracking gun purchases no differently. I think this is a horrible idea. I don't I don't think you would have any kind of data collection just based off somebody making purchases. No, I mean if you know, if you reconcile that with like a like an arrest report mm-hmm. or you know there's been other things other you know issues or problems that may uh, that may pop up, but I don't know if that's necessarily the job of a bank or anybody else that's i don't know this is this is this is screaming problems well there's uh there's one thing if you want to keep your privacy but then there's another thing that uh, has popped up atm machine displays users bank account balances like an arcade machine leaderboard if you're the kind of person who likes to show off their wealth head over to art basil miami beach and use their unique atm uh, to have your account balance featured on its leaderboard for everyone to see Developed yeah. by uh, New York-based art collective MSCHF in collaboration with, uh, this is like an art gallery thing, ATM Leaderboard is an artistic project that uh, inspired that, as just as the name suggests, displays the cash balances of anyone who uses it, like the high scores of a classic arcade game, depending on the size of their bank accounts. It was inspired by the wealth-flaunting trends of modern influencers who use their apparent wealth for fame and social media followers. Uh, ATM leaderboard is an extremely literal distil- distillation of wealth flaunting impulses, said Daniel Greenberg, co-founder. Uh, he said, from its conception, we had mentally earmarked this work for a location like Miami Basil, a place where there is a dense concentration of people renting Lamborghinis and wearing Rolexes. These are uh, implicit gestures to the ATM leaderboard's explicit one. Uh, you know, when I'm at the uh, at the ATM, I'm not really there... For show, mm-hmm. I'm really there to grab a few bucks and be on my way. I don't really need to have everybody around me know what my balance is. You know, in, in fact, most of the time I go to the ATM, I don't even ask for the receipt where it shows the balance. No, I'll find that all online at home. Yeah, yeah, on your in, phone in privacy. Yeah, on or on on the phone. I don't, I don't need to have uh, that flaunted anywhere. In fact, I would prefer, but no one really knows how much I have in the bank. None of your damn business. Yeah, no, but this is more. Uh, you know, these kids who are doing this are. Uh, there was one guy, uh, an account balance. Let's see. In case you were curious, according to the most online sources we checked, 
The most well-endowed user of the ATM leaderboard was a bearded man in a pink T-shirt with a bank account balance of over $2.9 million. Do you think that guy wants everybody to know he's got $2.9 million in the bank? Well, he did because he went to this particular... This is this is a dedicated machine at an art gallery that uh, it, it tells you what it was going to do before you do it. So he obviously wanted everybody to know how much money he has. Yeah, that's, that's obnoxious. <laughs> it's obnoxious. Well... But it, but it's kind of a reflection of society, though, too, don't you think? Like, oh no doubt, this is what we are. We we are always competing with somebody else of how much money, and that elevates your status to a. You know, if it was mine, I would have to sort the scores by lowest to highest. Yeah, right. And then I'd probably be like number five. Or number six. Yeah, I mean, I did. I could see you know, even if you had like a bunch of overdraft notices on your ATM screen, mm-hmm. you know, that would be something worth sharing. Hey, look at the yeah. trouble I'm in. Click there, you go. Yeah, right, right. This now, is a- and send. Next thing you know, you're all over Instagram. Where's my GoFundMe account <laughs> to help me out? Thirty-five dollars for every return check. Yeah. Yeah, uh, won't won't you help with this uh, GoFundMe page? Yeah, the, look at the local radio icon. He's number one on the list. He's, <laughs> he made fives of dollars last year. He's he's loaded. I'm sorry, just I I, I don't feel comfortable letting anyone know <laughs> what I'm what I'm making. I mean, I, re- I realize it's it's a generational yeah. thing that you know you know young kids looking to. You know, look at to show off what they have at, at a young age, but you know, at this point in my life, I'm just I'm I don't want to see well, any money walk out the door if it has to walk out the door. Interestingly enough, one of the arguments going around right now is: should you or should you not tell somebody how much you make at your job? Um, I have been asked that question. Yeah, and I never ever say i mean why, why though what what is the I don't reason because i don't think it's anybody's business i mean you know but is that what society has told you to never talk about your you know because basically what it's coming down to is with all these people complaining about low wages and things like that yeah that there are people out there that get preferential treatment over another and they don't want workers discussing how much they make, yeah. and they make it as, well, it's a privacy issue. There's no law against that. There's no law telling yeah. you you can't discuss your compensation but with there's somebody also, else. But there's also no law that says I have to disclose that information. And I, in a, and in, in a very real way, you know, if if someone in the office say, hey, what you what you uh, yeah, bring it in every year? It's like, I wouldn't reveal that. But I think you're in a different. I think you're in a different position. I'm talking about like, let's say you work in a factory. Yeah. And everybody who works in the factory, you, you know, your your starting rate is uh, let's say twenty bucks an hour. Well, there's some people there that are doing the exact same job, maybe even less than you are, that are making thirty dollars an hour. True. So, where's there's a discrepancy there. There's a discrepancy, but that could be based on any number of things. It could be based on seniority. It could be based on you know whether there was a shortage of labor at the time, and the only way to bring somebody in is to pay them a little bit more to entice them to apply. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're certainly seeing that right now. I mean, even McDonald's is hiring at 25 bucks an hour. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, okay, I understand why you would want to know what the next guy is making, but I, it, it, 
but I don't think disclosure of that is necessary. What's the difference about you knowing how much a McDonald's worker makes starting pay than what you make? What's the difference? Well, the difference, well, the difference is, I mean, first of all, it's, it, that's an apples and oranges type of comparison because, you know, I'm a contracted employee, but two years ago, that same employee at McDonald's was probably making just over 15 bucks an hour as minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Now, in order to, in order to fulfill the required number of, of, uh, of, uh, of people to work a shift, they have to pay 25 bucks an hour to get people to even apply to them. Well, they also the cost of living has yeah. gone up significantly too. But if I'm a guy who's, you know, spent the last 3 years earning my way all up to $20 an hour and to find out that some kids coming in at 25, I'm going to be pretty upset about that. So how much do you make a year? None of your damn business. Ah, come on. All right. I, Let's twist the tables. How yeah. much are you making per year? $6. The hell you are. It's $6. <laughs> I will die on that hill. <laughs> it's and I literally will die on that hill. It's 823 with Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. Hey. It's 826 with Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. We have a letter. Do you want a letter? We do? Yeah. Well, it's not very long, but do you? Yeah, do well. I? Hell yeah. Well, yeah. Hey. Letters. Oh, we get letters. Oh, we get letters every day. This one just says, thanks for the earworm. Now I can't stop humming Go Tell It on the Mountain. <laughs> it wasn't that bad of a clip. No, it was it, the, the clip was not bad, but the, the performance of it was not that great. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I, yeah I got you. I just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Here's Henrietta and Myrna Newdorf right now singing. And we're going to listen to all 55 seconds of it. That is Henrietta. That's still that's Henrietta. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Without seeing the video, it's hard for me to tell which one's which. Tell it on the mountain. Yeah. One hit wonders. Good stuff, man. Good. This one's a timeless classic. And that's the letter. That's the letter. That's it. There you go. Day 28, news is next on Rock 102. 8.30. We're back to Nagel on Rock 102. It's time for news. It's brought to you by Gary Rome Hyundai. Rent the all-electric Ionic 5 for 28 days. It includes insurance. Try it before you buy it. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Thanks, Bax. A rollover crash involving two vehicles on 391 near Exit 4 in Chicopee left one person uh, sent to the hospital. State Trooper James DeAngelis said the accident has started as a rear-end collision on I-391 around 3.30 p.m. on Tuesday. 
Afternoon. The vehicle that hit the rear of the second vehicle drove into the tree line after the accident. The driver of the vehicle was pinned between the tree and the vehicle. Chicopee crews were called to assist in removing the driver. He was taken to Bay State for his injuries. There were no injuries reported in the second vehicle. The right-bound uh, north side of I-391 near Exit 4 was closed for an extended period of time. Due to that accident, the lane has since uh, reopened. Uh, there's a new update from the district attorney's office. Hamden DA Anthony Galuni is scheduled to make an announcement this morning regarding the unsolved homicide of Shayna Price from more than three decades ago. Galuni will be in downtown Springfield around 11 a.m. today to update the public about recent developments in the 32-year-old unresolved case. <laughs> Shayna Price was found dead in, excuse me, in Blunt Park in Springfield on December 26th of 1990. She was 17 years old. At the time, it had been found beaten, strangled, and sexually assaulted. Uh, we'll give you updates when we do hear from that press conference. Well, you uh, know, I mean, the he, DA's office. Yeah, you know, obviously, you want to wait until uh, the press conference has happened to find out where the things are standing in this case. But uh, he and his office have had a very good run of resolving, you know, long-standing cold cases. I mean, it's, it's just undeniable what Anthony Galuni and his staff have been able to do over the last couple of years. Remarkable right. stuff. Yeah, really, really good positive yeah. stuff coming out of there. As uh, triple-demic fears continue to heighten across the country, there's a new concern for households with pets. The symptoms we experience when uh, sick with the flu are exactly what dogs are being met with. Cough, runny nose, and lack of energy are some of the indicators your pooch is under the weather. According to the CDC, canine influenza is a contagious respiratory disease in dogs caused by specific type A influenza viruses. Experts say the highly contagious dog flu is being transmitted in settings where dogs are in close contact with each other, like doggy daycares and kennels. This is raising concern for pet parents as the countdown to Christmas and the New Year continues, a time when many travel, making arrangements for their dogs at these facilities. If your dog spends time in these spaces, you're being urged to vaccinate them against the flu. And let me ask you this. What's that going to cost me? What's it going to cost you? Yeah. Probably a lot of money. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Most dogs recover within two to three weeks. If your pet is showing signs of the canine flu, call your vet. You know what I'm finding out uh, right. now that uh, about veterinary medicine? That you can't do anything for your beloved family pet for less than 500 bucks. Yeah. I mean, I love my dog. Don't get me wrong. My dog's uh, awesome. But this dog is costing us money. And, you know, uh, he's not pulling his weight. He's not contributing to uh, the household fund. He's barely doing his chores. And every time he's got the sniffles, I'm going to go to the vet and uh, drop 500 bucks to make him feel better. You think there's uh, dogs out there who are like anti-vaxxers? You bet there are. You know? Yeah. You get the dog running around going, yeah, you know what? I knew this bitch who got jabbed. Then she had five puppies and all of them died. Yeah. I, uh, I'm sure dogs are like, uh, you know, roaming around the street saying, you know, when they give you uh, that uh, that vaccine they're putting chips yeah in your head which control your thoughts yeah. and those thoughts go right to the government is it like the chips they put in the back of my neck oh no that's completely different that's for the people to find out who you belong to yeah that's if you get lost yeah. i'm talking about mind know, control mind control exactly yeah like you're, they're gonna make you think there's cookies under that plate but there's really not cookies under that plate yeah yeah and you know uh the owners uh you know they're they may want to tickle your belly but they're they're 
complicit in this whole thing. Who started this? Oh, Bill Gates's dog. Don't even get me going on Sandy Hook. <sighs> the Alex Jones dog telling everybody what's going on. You know, <laughs> I have some theories. <laughs> Just the other day, I was yeah. licking myself and I thought, you know. <laughs> the idea of dogs being anti-vaxxers. <laughs> I heard... That causes autism. <laughs> Stop it. You know what we should do? As a pack of dogs? Yeah. We should unionize. Yeah. Say no to the lab jab. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> a recent investigation in, uh, in Greenfield involving numerous agencies resulted in the seizure of a large amount of jugs, cash, and one arrest. According <laughs> jugs. To, yeah. Uh, court, did I say jugs? You said jugs. It's drugs. Oh, drugs. I yeah. thought you said jugs. No, it must have been that shot I just got. I wasn't, can't really talk out of my mouth. But yeah, I gotcha. Uh, according to a post on Tuesday evening on the uh, Greenfield Police Department's Facebook page, several court-authorized search warrants were issued for locations and vehicles within Greenfield. On Monday night, 114 grams of suspected cocaine was seized, approximately 650 bags of suspected heroin and fentanyl. Fentanyl. And nearly $113,000 in cash was confiscated. Um, Yo, if you, if you keep pronouncing it wrong, Barry's going to want to come back here. I don't think he's going to come in here. I think he does. Well, he's going to want to come back here, but uh, the way his memory's going, he'll forget the uh, <laughs> said that. He's police, not going to forget that. Police said uh, one Greenfield resident was taken into custody with trafficking cocaine and fentanyl. Nil. Yeah, I guess you can print It's tomato, tomato, as far as I'm concerned. Well, is it really t- tomato, tomato? I don't think, you know, in Barry's world, it is, uh, it's not. Uh, no one likes standing outside in the cold, clearing their snow off their windshield, but it's not optional. You do need to see out of that windshield. And, you know, we're probably going to get snow within the next month, I would imagine, that we would uh, need to remove the snow from the vehicle. Right. A driver in Washington State was pulled over on Sunday after officers received calls about a car driving erratically down the highway with thick snow almost completely covering the windshield. The only uh, clearing was a small portion in the driver's top side corner, but it's unclear if the driver actually brushed that part off or it had blown off on its own. The driver drove at least five miles before the uh, police could track them down, and after pulling them over, they told the trooper that their windshield wipers weren't working. The driver was hit with a $553 ticket for negligent driving, but they're very fortunate that they uh, didn't crash or hurt anybody else. And you look at this picture, it is one little corner that nobody scraped off. It looks like the wind blew that off. Right. People are so dumb. I'm telling you, the best thing I've ever gotten in my life is the snow uh, the snow broom for your car. Which I don't know where it went. Then you got to get another one. I don't know. Uh, those were given to us. Yeah, but you can you can buy them. And I have to tell you, uh, they now come, the, uh, the Snow Joe which is out there. You can buy these all over the place. On the end of the pole, they have a scraper. So you got the, the you got the uh, the broom, which will take all the snow off the roof of your car, most of your windows, and anything that uh, that's stuck with the uh, with frozen ice. How do you spell Snow Joe? Just like it sounds. 
Yeah, I'm seeing Snow Joe. It's just a, it's like a snow thrower. No, no, this is a, this is a, well, that's, okay, you're looking at the snow, yeah, no, on the snowjoe.com. The Snow Joe SJB LZD LED 4-in-1 telescoping snow broom and ice scraper. 18-inch foam head uh, and headlights. It's actually got lights on it for 19 bucks. Why would you need lights at the end of a snow broom? Dude, have you ever tried to take snow off your windshield in darkness? Uh... I've never, it's never been that dark without, if you turn the headlights on in the car, you can see what you're getting at, oh, or the interior lights. You've got an answer for everything. This thing comes with its own headlights and a two-year warranty. Let me tell you something. When you are buried in snow, and your car is just covered with the stuff, and you know that driving without removal of the snow is deadly and very serious... Something like the Snow Joe SJB LZD LED 4-in-1 telescoping snow broom and ice scraper with the 18-inch foam head and headlights in blue for $19.99 could save your life. This is like, what is this, another thing you got to charge or is it battery powered? Well, that's a good question. I didn't, uh, I didn't get that far into it, but I got to tell you, I'm going to say it's probably battery powered. Two LED lights, uh, yeah, probably, uh, yeah, it requires two AAA batteries, which are not included, unfortunately, but otherwise, you're out there, you're scraping the Snow Joe SJB LZD LED 4-in-1 telescoping snow broom and ice scraper with the 18-inch foam head and the headlights in blue, totally necessary, totally worth buying. I don't know about that. That just seems like a gimmick. Uh, does it really? Just give me the piece of styrofoam with a regular uh, classic snow broom. I don't know why you, why anybody felt the need to improve that. It's got the ice scraper at the bottom handle. So what? So that's a, like a two. That's like a two and it's a four in one telescoping snow broom and ice scraper with an eighteen inch foam head. I don't understand the need for the headlights on the thing. You don't understand what you've never had the uh, the opportunity to use. Once you use it, you'd want to, you'd never want to go back. Uh, the city of San Francisco uh, became the unlikely uh, proponent of weaponized police robots last week after supervisors approved limited use of the remote control devices addressing head-on and evolving technology that has become more widely available, even if it's rarely deployed to confront suspects. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors voted 8-3 to three last Tuesday to permit pre- police to use robots armed with explosives. Hell yeah. Yeah, I like blowing stuff up. In extreme situations where lives are at stake and no other alternative is available, the authorization comes as police departments across the U.S. face, face increasing scrutiny for the use of militarized equipment and force amid a years-long reckoning on criminal justice. A new California law requires police to inventory military-grade equipment such as flashbang grenades, assault rifles, and armored vehicles and seek approval from the public for their use. So far, police in just two California cities, San Francisco and Oakland, have publicly discussed the use of robots as part of that process. Around the country, police have used robots over the past decade to communicate with barricaded suspects, enter potentially dangerous spaces, and in rare cases, for deadly force. They did that with a guy in Texas. Mm-hmm. They put the robot up to the car. Do you remember that? I do. And uh, that was a success. Let me ask you this. Yeah. It's actually a two-part question. Mm-hmm. Do these robot cops 
And I've seen RoboCop uh, 1 and 2 multiple mm-hmm. times. I, just, I love those movies. But uh, do these RoboCops have the ability to, one, plant evidence like real cops do, and then, two, do they have the ability to do the paperwork necessary to amass tons of extra overtime? Uh, for you to assume that uh, real cops plant evidence all the time, really not a good assumption I'm, I, I'm not saying all the time. Yeah. I'm saying that from time to time. I don't, uh, I don't think the robot knows how to plant evidence. All right, but what about the overtime question? Yeah, the overtime thing, that's it. Well, you know, uh, eventually they'll work for the Mass State Police. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. at, some, at some point it'll be the you know, Mass- well, Massachusetts robo-police. Wait a minute, we had a GPS tracker on you, and uh, it says you worked, uh, it says you were supposed to work a four-hour detail, um, given traffic tickets. You were sitting in a warehouse at the very same time. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. How do you like to explain this, dear sir or madam or whatever you are? Yeah, that's right. I was doing my job. I'm a good cop. I'm a damn good cop. Oh, yeah. They go back. Just happen to be a robot. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I don't. I don't think any robots are planting evidence. It says here you worked a 135 hour work week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, were you? Did you leave the keys running in your car outside of a pizza shop last week? <laughs> Well, one of these robot cops yeah. leave their gun in a bathroom. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we haven't heard from Officer Bumbles in a while. I think Officer Bumbles retired. Yeah, actually. robot um, Officer Bumbles. I think uh, Officer Bumbles retired up there in Holyoke. Did he really? Yeah. I don't. Th- well, I haven't heard. I haven't heard about him lately. All the good ones. Well, not. I shouldn't say all the good ones are gone. There's good people that work up there, but all the ones that we used to uh, do play ons of their names. Yeah, I know. Like Officer Bumbles or, hey, 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 Lieutenant Jim Albert. <laughs> that was one of my favorite ones. That do. was a good yeah, one. They, yeah, they all retire. I think Trent Duda is still working. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be working all the Duda day. See, I'm sure he loves that. <laughs> still fun. I'm sure he absolutely loves that. Uh, he doesn't, but that's all right. Your uh, Pioneer Valley forecast today is going to be rainy with a high of 57. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 49. It's 57 right now in downtown Springfield. I'm Steve Nagel, and that's the news on Rock 102. Oh, yeah. This ad furnished by Nesmond. Rock 102, Springfield's classic rock. It's 850 and cheap trick. With Bax and Nagel and Rock 102. Going to be uh, rainy today with a high of 57. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 49. It's 57 right now in downtown Springfield. Uh, Rock 102's Pro Picks Pool continues at rock102.com. It's your call football. Weekly winners get a $50 gift certificate to Geo's Pizzeria in Hampton. Pizza the way you like it. The overall season winner gets a $500 cash card courtesy of Nor'easter Organic Life Hydroponics. Check the stats or go with your gut and play Rock 102's Pro Picks Pool from Nor'easter Organic Life Hydroponics and Rock 102. Springfield's classic rock. Looking ahead of the forecast. Yeah. Next Wednesday. Snow. Uh, does it say how much? No, it's mixed with <clears throat> rain, though. It's going to be one of those sloppy, wet, uh, crappy yeah. types of precipitation. I think I'd rather have. I would rather have five feet of dry snow, you know, like that uh, fluffy snow. Yeah. Than I would. An inch of slush. The heavy, wet stuff. Yeah. It's disgusting. Even my, uh, you know, I got a pretty powerful, pretty strong, fairly reliable snowblower, and uh, even that struggles with the heavy stuff. Yeah. You know, the light stuff is 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 fine. 
Yeah, the snowblower doesn't do much for you when the when the, when there's more water in it than there is. Yeah, uh, no, ice, I don't. I don't, uh, I don't. I don't like that kind of thing. But I, I mean, technically, it's all water. But <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, there's a difference between like uh, you know, light, fluffy snow and a heart attack snow. And right. I don't like the heart attack snow. All right, you want to take bets? Sure. Uh, give me a dollar amount. Five bucks. Five bucks. Five bucks. Uh, do you think it'll snow significantly, like three inches or more, by the end of December? What's today, the 7th? Yeah. Yes. You say yes? I think it will. I say no. Really? Yeah. So, Are uh, you saying no because you believe no, or are you saying no because I said yes? I, I, I'm saying no because I believe no, because of the way the weather has been going. We haven't really had See, temperatures that drop below a certain de- uh, degree in order for snow to be happening all the time. See, now, if you were to, to stipulate it had to be like, you know, seven inches or more, mm-hmm. I might say no. But I think three inches is always a possibility. Three inches that lasts for like, oh, I'm saying I'm adding stuff to yeah, it. Yeah, so you're adding that, stuff. That lasts for at least a couple of days. You know, like, like the, the, the ground covering, it lasts at least for a couple of days. See, I don't know if it's been cold enough. See, that's what I'm talking about. To, for, to, to say that. I mean, I think we can get three inches to fall, but I don't know if we can get three inches to stay. Well, let me just uh, put the message out there now. Any of you uh, crummy uh, weather ruiners who are wishing for a white Christmas, you can stuff your white Christmas into a sack. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants a white Christmas. We say we do, but we really don't want a white Christmas. If you have to go somewhere on Christmas and then it's it's snowing out, yeah. Do you really want to leave the house on a snowy day? I I don't. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Kanye West seems to want a white Christmas. Well, he does. <laughs> He's a white supremacist. Yeah, right well, alone. Oh, that's what I mean. Everybody's got a different idea of what a white Christmas should be, and uh, Kanye West is no his, different. His his agenda is a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, no, I'm. I don't need the white Christmas. I, I never I never cared about the snow. The only thing I cared about was the presents that Santa brought under the tree. Isn't that really all that matters? Yeah. It's what you receive. I know it's about the spirit of giving, too, but it's really more about the gifts you receive. The gifts. It's all about the gifts. Yes. Yeah. It's true. It's uh, 855 with Bax and Nagel on Rock 102. New England.